Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily Extra Content. It's like a DLC to a video game you didn't even like in the first place. I'm LJ LaFira. With me is Brandon Karam and our guest this week, Graham Wallace, the Belly Up Sports beat writer. We're here to talk a little bit of trade deadline and then some. But first off, Graham, how you doing? It's been a while. Yeah, it has. Great to be with you guys. Uh, glad, glad to be with Brandon this time as well. I feel like I'm in mid-season form. Last time we chatted, I think it was in April, and uh, it's, it's good, great to be with you guys again. Absolutely. Certainly a lot of things have changed since you and I last talked. Um, in all of your time, all your writing has continued to be great over on Belly Up Sports. Make sure you go and check that out. But let's get a little brief breakdown on how you feel the Blue Jays season's gone so far. It's gone okay. Uh, not great lately. Uh, they've lost three in a row. They weren't able to do much offensively uh, tonight against the Mets, but uh, about where, where I thought, you know, I thought they were a pretty good team. You know, um, I, I penciled them in, uh, in my kind of March, mid-March breakdown, kind of 87 to 90 wins. Um, they're a little below that um, pace right now, probably closer to 84 to, you know, 86 or something like that. But I, uh, you know, when I think about this team, it, it reminds me a lot of the 2015 team. You know, they're kind of going along a few games, you know, above 500. Obviously, that was more of a, a veteran-laden team. But I feel like this management group, obviously, it's different than the one in 2015. It's not Alex Anthopoulos anymore. It's Mark Shapiro. It's Ross Atkins. But they're aggressive. They want to win. 
They know how hungry the city is. They know how close they are. They feel like this team's really close. And, and I believe it too. I know they got to really kind of ramp things up as we, we get into the stretch run, but I, I do think they have that, that run in them. And I, I do think that they're not, they're not done as far as the, the trades are concerned. Yeah. Now, another thing with the Blue Jays here that certainly I've been pondering, dying to ask you, we've been thinking about asking you to come on for a week or two, so I haven't uh, gone on and messaged you about it, but George Springer misses a lot of time this year. The first year of that big contract is just kind of starting to round into form. What has been the fan reaction to George Springer so far with how little he's been able to contribute um, I think it was like, give us a couple good months. Uh, you know, uh, he got hurt in spring training, then he tried to come back and then he got hurt again. And then he came back, he hit a couple of home runs and then he got hurt again. Uh, so when he came back this last time, I was just like, if he could have a decent, uh, you know, August, September, maybe he could get 15, 20 home runs. That'll be like, well, that's an okay first year. We're on the hook for five more years. And, and that's when the contract becomes a bit more dicey. But if, if he's George Springer, the George Springer we've been used to for the past four or five years, and we get productive years in years, say, two through four, um, we won't really remember that much about this year, especially if he starts turning it up like he has been, uh, you know, more, re more recently. He, he's up to seven home runs now. If he could produce in the, in the stretch run, I think that's what the kind of takeaway will be uh, amongst the fan base. Uh, especially for this first season. Now, one of the big kind of, I guess you could say, reasons to leave your team in free agency, aside from the money, aside from the location, is overall your own notoriety, whether you're in a small market or if you're not the best player, but you're still really good on a great team. Part of me thought that that could have been a reason that George Springer might leave Houston aside from the money is to cement himself in that type of role that's why I always thought it was a little bit dicey for him to go up to Toronto because I always thought you know you've got Vladdy there that's obviously going to be a, a stud you've got Bichette you've got Biggio who both look like they're going to project to be great great players you've got Ryu on the pitching side there's just a lot of other great names on that team that I thought he might get overlooked do you think that's something he's worried about no, it's it's definitely not something I think he's worried about. He if if you watch Jay's games and you see their interactions in the clubhouse, even though he's in his 30s, he's been he's a established major league star. He's doing everything he can to endear himself to his teammates, and that includes Vladdy, who's almost a decade younger. Um, it, it, Lord Esguriel Jr., Teoscar Hernandez. It's a really fun team, and. It's very similar to what you saw with Bryce Harper a couple of years ago, his first year in Philadelphia. He tried his darkness to just endear himself to his teammates. Hey, maybe I'm a, you know, $300 million man, but I just want to try to help us win baseball games. And I think that's the exact same thing with Springer. Now, as far as the other great players on Houston, you're absolutely right. You know, you got a young stud in Correa. Bregman was, I believe, second in MVP in, in 2019. He's a great player in his own right. Altuve um, has, has won an MVP as well. Um, it, it's hard to say who was the best player on that team, but I don't really think he's that kind of guy that worries about, you know, being, being the big guy or, or, you know, uh, carrying the spotlight. The other thing with that signing, and I would, you know, kind of say this with the Semyon as well, because they're such a young team, that's why it was so key, uh, to bring in veterans, uh, like Springer, Semyon's 30 years old, 
uh, even Stephen Matz to a lesser extent. I mean, it seems like he's been around forever. He's still in his late twenties. Um, but it, it was really key to bring in some veterans to kind of solidify that, uh, that clubhouse and, and really show these kids how it's done uh, at, at a really high level, because for, for, as great as they've played, they really haven't done it uh, as far as the playoffs are concerned or, you know, playing it in the, down the stretch of a, of a season. In 2019, when they were playing, the, the Blue Jays really weren't a very good team. So I think it's really important that they went out and, and kind of solidified this roster with great players that really know how to get it done and know not to get too high or low kind of over the course of a really long season. Yeah, one last thing about uh, Toronto, and then we can talk about some trade deadline stuff. Uh, the MLB draft recently uh, passed, and uh, let's talk about that first-round pick that the Blue Jays made. Gunnar Hogland, uh, a starting pitcher out of Ole Miss. I got to watch him pitch a little bit in the College World Series. Uh, he would look like an absolute stud there. Uh, what was your overall takeaway from not only their first round pick, but just their draft in general. Yeah, I think they did. They did well there. Uh, if you look at a lot of mock drafts, uh, Hoagland, uh, I think I'm saying it right there, is uh, he was going in the top 10. I, I believe he had a, an injury, a Tommy John situation that kind of caused him to slip. He's definitely a guy I think um, can develop quickly. And I think he could be a guy similar to a, a Marcus Stroman or a, you know Alec Manoa who could get to the bigs in you know maybe two years or less which which would really help us and i think he's a guy who you know who, who could add to the, some of the young pitchers uh that we already have in development uh, there's a lot of young position players uh in the j system that aren't too far away from making their debuts as well so that's definitely exciting uh, i saw they they took a couple other pitchers on in the subsequent rounds i'm not a huge uh mlb draft guy myself i, I usually see what's going on see who they take see the first few picks but you know that they're probably not going to help out the team for another few years. Um, I know there was a bit of a surprise with Henry Davis going number one to Pittsburgh. And then um, I'm sure LJ's happy getting uh, Marcelo Mayer there. Uh, the, uh, what is it? The entourage lookalike there. Yeah. Um, looks like he's going to be a really good player. So I think, I think Red Sox did, did quite, the, quite well there. Uh, we'll have to see what happens. You know, out of these draft picks, there's going to be a handful of busts and, and a handful of, uh, you know, all-star level players. And then a bunch of guys that fall in between there. So I'll keep my eye on it, but uh, kind of more on the back burner for now, if you will. All right. Well, let's get into what we brought you here for. And that is to talk some trade deadline stuff. I think Brandon and I can both right. agree we're getting slightly sick of each other's voices on these trade scenarios. So we're going to be able to run through quite a few of them in the next little bit of time here. But first off, let's start with these very recent reports that are coming out. I mean, it's nothing we didn't know already. However, it looks like Philadelphia is going to be incredibly aggressive at the trade deadline in order to get starting pitching help, relief help, and a center fielder. So what kind of fits do you see for each of those spots and how many of those do Cole Hamels fill? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's, uh, it's a bit leading there, LJ. Uh, I got to say, I didn't spend a ton of time with the Phillies because I think it's crazy that they're being aggressive. I, I, I don't think they have any chance of winning this year. Um, you know, I, I don't. Um, there, there's a few teams in the National League who I think have a chance to win, and they're not one of them. However, if they want to go after a center fielder, um, you could find one in the division, uh, Starling Marte. Um, 
Now, the asking price might be a little bit more than they want to pay, but he's definitely an impact player. Uh, they could bring Cole Hamels back. Sure, he's got a great reputation there. Uh, he did win uh, World Series MVP, I believe, when they won it. Uh, back in 2008, this this is a <laughs> bit of a history lesson there, but I, I believe he did. Um, I'm not sure how much he's got left. Um, you know, if if I was a Phillies backer, I, I'd, I'd be okay with them acquiring an arm or two on the cheap. Um, I'm trying to think of someone who's kind of on the scrap heap, maybe, maybe a Jordan Lyles, but I mean, he's got a five plus ERA. Is it really worth it to get him? If you want to bring in a lefty, I, I like the potential of a guy like Matt Boyd. Um, but I, I really think they should, they should stay pat or possibly sell because, you know, I know they gave Bryce Harper a bazillion dollars and, and, you know, they, they re-signed JT Real Muto. It's not, it's not good enough. They're, they're not good enough. And I, I, I really don't think they're going to get good enough um, by the end of the season. There's four teams I think could come out in the National League and none of them are in the National League East. <laughs> I, I think the Giants have a chance. I think the Dodgers have a chance. And I think the Brewers have a chance. And to a lesser extent, I think the Padres have a chance. That's it. I don't think the Mets have a chance at all. I don't think the Braves have a chance and I don't think the Phillies have a chance. I think they should just sell off their assets um, because they're no good. They're like 500, you know? Yeah, honestly, I think possibly the most indicting thing to happen over the past couple of weeks in terms of Philly being successful is the fact that their entire fan base was so giddy for a potential Cole Hamill's return <laughs> and he was going to save things all because he showed up at a random Philly Starbucks. Right. It was amazing. Now, just out of curiosity, this was largely our take on it. However, I want to see your overall value of Kyle Gibson right now, having a terrific season, mm-hmm. usually the best of his career, but odds are he regresses more towards the mean through the rest of this year and probably doesn't repeat this type of season again. Could you see him as a possible fit for the Phillies as a long-term solution? I mean, I guess, uh, I, I believe he's in, a, he's 33 years old, if I'm not mistaken. He's, he's, he's 33 and he has at 30, least two more years on his contract. After okay. This. He's, he's also given up 13 runs over his last two starts. So he, he the, 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 the value has gone down and, and the regression has already started. Um, I think I was surprised as anyone when I kind of saw him get off to the start he did. Um, I actually thought he'd be a great um, choice for the Red Sox, uh, a team that's more in contention. They've had kind of middle of the road starting rotation. They've gotten by with guys like Garrett Richards. Um, I definitely think they could upgrade that position. I I know that's not what you asked me, but that's the team who I thought uh, was more connected to Gibson. And if if they don't really like his his more recent performances, uh, I think they could also look at uh, someone like John Gray uh, from the Colorado Rockies. You know, I think Colorado is a fascinating team. A lot of people think Chicago is the team that controls this um, trade deadline from a seller uh, perspective. Um, but I, I think Colorado is a really interesting team when you think about Trevor Story, you think about some of the pitchers they have. Uh, Kyle Freeland's really come come alive over the last uh, few weeks. So um, 
they could definitely be a possibility as well. Sorry, my answer went a little off the rails there. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, before Brandon has a question here, I will say my overall thoughts, Red Sox rotation, they're going to upgrade from within. I think that's that's the more likely scenario for their starters because there doesn't seem to be a foolproof person at this point for a team that didn't expect to be contending this year. So you figure Chris Sale is probably back within a week and a half. Tanner Houck looks poised to finally rejoin the rotation long-term. That, in my head, clears up a lot of the last remaining pieces of that rotation that need to be answered. I mean, just quickly here, you don't know what you're getting out of sale. I know he's had a great career, but uh, he wasn't exactly ace material, you know, last time we saw him and he's coming off a you know, long stretch without pitching. So I think best case scenario, he slots right in. Um, the, 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 the kid makes a spot in the rotation as well, but I think that's really wishful thinking. And I think when you have a chance to win the world series, and I do think Boston has that chance this year, you, you got to get a proven guy. That, that's my take on that. Even if it's a guy like Zach Davies, a guy who could slide, slide you in and, and give you five good ones every, every fifth day. So um, I really think they should go the veteran route, but I, I kind of get what you're saying. This is kind of playing with house money this season. So. Yeah. I'm surprised. Graham, you're not, you're not all gung ho on the three, two, three and two thirds of no hit ball. He threw the other day in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> right, is, is this, is this the kid you're talking about? No, Sale. Oh, okay. I, I'm a wait-and-see guy when it comes to Sale. I, I think he's had a great career. I don't mean to slander him or anything. I just think he's he's got a bit to prove uh, oh, sir. as far as his, you know, future performances. Brandon? Yeah, well, what I find the most uh, interesting about this whole trade trade deadline this year is that, I mean, just in these five, ten minutes that we've been talking about these trades, We've brought up so many different names, and I mean, we haven't even like like touched touched even some of the bigger names. This is absolutely a buyer's market where, if a team wants to upgrade really any position, those players are available to go and get this year. And I don't think we've seen this very often. I mean, most times it seems like all right, yeah, there's a couple pitchers, there's a couple hitters, but. No one really big. I mean, when you talk about big names, like guys who could really produce for you, I mean, we've heard Trevor Story, Joey Gallo, uh, you know, Starling Marte, Brian Reynolds, Adam Frazier, both of those Pirates guys. I mean, there's just so many different names out there that could be, uh, uh, you know, just traded for. Uh, Graham, you know, what's your whole take on just all these teams that kind of want to just trade away these these assets? Do you think that, that's that's good for the league that we have so many teams that are wanting to trade away these guys or yeah what's your take on this uh yeah um it's a good question Brandon I mean I think every year you've even entering the season you've got eight to ten teams that almost everyone knows aren't trying to win we, we you know we we knew uh, before the season started, that Detroit wasn't going to be good. I, that's maybe a bad example because they've been better <laughs> than than we expected. We knew Colorado wasn't going to be good. We knew Pittsburgh wasn't going to be good. We probably thought Miami wasn't going to be any good. So to sit here in July and be like, well, you know, there's these teams that aren't trying to win and they're getting rid of their assets. Well, we knew that. Minnesota is a big surprise. They're a huge disappointment. 
And the way I look at it, there's about four or five, maybe six teams that kind of control the market from that seller standpoint. And it all they're in a position of luxury because they can choose which buyer they go with. And it, generally, it's going to go with who has the, the stronger farm system. So that's why I think teams like the Rays, Padres, uh, Chicago White Sox, Seattle Mariners, although I'm not sure they're going to be a buyer, the teams with the, the more developed farm systems kind of have a bit of an advantage here. Because, you know, this is not to disrespect your guys' teams, but they're still trying to build up their farm system. So that's why I kind of suggested in the article I wrote earlier today, they might want to go the cheap route when it, when it comes to some of these some of these guys that are available, ex- especially the Yankees. Again, I'm not, they've had a very similar year to the Blue Jays, a, a few games above 500. That's a big disappointment in the Bronx. But, you know, if you're looking at bringing in guys, you might want to bring in a guy that's not going to kill your farm system, especially one that you're still trying to add to. Despite the, the frenzy I'm kind of expecting, I, I still definitely think there's some guys that are kind of considered uh, untouchable. Uh, you know, I've heard Brian Reynolds is going to be a really hard guy to get. Uh, I've heard Whit Merrifield is, is going to be pretty much off the market. Although more recently, I've heard some teams kicking the tires and they're at least listening. I've, I've actually heard Seattle connected yeah. uh, to them. Um, I definitely think every team's got their their kind of untouchables. And then, you know, it, it makes perfect sense for the, the Twins to trade Nelson Cruz. He's 41 years old. They're going nowhere this year. And they've got a lot of older pitchers and, and position players that it doesn't make sense for them to hold on to. So they're going to try to retool and, and maybe see what happens next year. But uh, I don't really think it's bad for the game or anything. I think it's exciting for the teams that are still in it. And then there's the teams that are kind of in between and, I personally think they should probably just stay put or offload some some smaller guys, um, but we'll see how aggressive the uh, the GMs are. I know it's a high pressure job. Well, I'll tell you, you gave me a lot of points to segue into in that last minute or so of talking. However, let's go ahead and talk about your more recent, um, I believe, article. Correct on Nelson Cruz. You certainly have. Thoughts? Was I think you? it's a great, it's a home run for, for the Rays. Uh, it kind of surprised me uh, because they're such an analytically uh, kind of driven team. I never really considered them to want to take a guy like Cruz, but it makes perfect sense. They've only gotten about a, a 230 batting average or so collectively from the DH position uh, so far this season. And they really kind of cycle through it. But I don't think many players on that team really enjoy being a DH. The other thing that surprised me about it was the money. Um, they would have to pay uh, about 5 million bucks uh, to, to Cruz for the remainder of the season. He, he made 13 million this year. So they had to play the prorated portion of that. Um, but I, I think for this uh, situation, when they feel like they're so, cr- they're so close, they have good pitching, they have a good lineup. They just needed a bit more thunder. The management was willing to, you know, to pony up for that. And as far as the prospects going back, it was their 10th and 17th best prospects, still probably pretty good players going to Minnesota, but none of their top, top guys. So I think it was a really smart move uh, by Eric Neander. Uh, They're the Rays and, uh, you know, it definitely makes them better and uh, makes them more dangerous to teams like Red Sox and and the rest of the American League. So I loved it. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about him for a couple of different teams here, and that is Craig Kimbrell, of course, we put it out with our announcement of doing today's MLB Daily extra content that we wanted to know who people wanted to hear about from Graham. And we got a couple of people asking about Craig Kimbrell, 
namely to the Padres and to the Blue Jays. So what are your thoughts about either of those options and where else could you see him going? Kimbrell. Um, I think he would be a great fit uh, on the Houston Astros. Um, you know, when I, when I think about Houston, they have, they have a great team. You know, they have a really good hitting team. They're in the top three, basically, in, in just about every category in the American League. Uh, their pitching's been pretty good. Their starting pitching's been good. And their bullpen's been pretty shaky at times. And I think he could really solidify uh, their back end. Um, that, you know, going to San Diego, I think is a bit questionable. They, they've already got Mark Melanson, who's been one of the better closers in MLB this year. And, you know, this might be a hot take. I, I don't really know, but I, I don't think San Diego should do anything because I think they're the third best team in that division. They're going to be playing in the wild card game and, and they'll, they'll probably lose it. Uh, I mean, why are you going to sell out for this season when you're going to play one playoff game? Um, I, you know, I think they had their fun in the winter. I, I don't think they're as good as some people think they are. And, you know, they're going to be sitting at home when the good teams are playing in the World Series. Sorry if I sound like a hater, but they've never won a World Series, and I don't think it's going to happen this year. No, 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 it's certainly a valid point. The only reason I keep bringing that up is I don't necessarily trust Mark Melanson in some of these end of the game scenarios going down the rest of this season. You think about it, he is a very pitch to contact type of pitcher, not, mm. not necessarily the same strikeout guy that you normally see in that closer role. And with this whole runner on second base rule that they're gonna have to keep seeing up until the playoffs and even in high leverage playoff moments, I'm not sure that a pitcher that pitches like Mark Melanson is the best fit to be taking in those innings. Yeah, I actually like um, Raciel uh, Iglesias uh, as, as, as a guy who might be coveted by a few teams that might need bullpen help. Uh, Taylor Rogers is another guy, if, you, if you're looking for a left-hander uh, from Minnesota, another, you know, another team that's kind of uh, a lot of teams are going to be calling. Uh, who, who, who could be a possibility there, either as a closer or, you know, a high leverage seventh, eighth inning uh, kind of guy who could be really valuable uh, for some team. Yeah, uh, yeah. one, Go ahead. Yeah, one uh, other trade that actually just went down today that I would love to hear your opinion on, uh, the Rays deal Rich Hill to the New York Mets. Uh, yeah, what's your thoughts on that? The Mets trying to go out and get a, a left-handed pitcher and, and Rich Hill has uh, pitched very well at points this season. Yeah, I was pretty surprised by that because Hill was kind of one of the guys the Rays signed shortly after everyone was like, what the heck are they doing? They let Morton walk and then they, you know, they traded Snell. So it seemed like Hill was one of the kind of part of the contingency plan uh, to, to tell the Rays fan base, uh, you know, we're not, we haven't lost our mind. We're still going for it. We're still trying to win. Uh, I saw something online. Oh, that the Rays had to trade Cruz because they couldn't have two 40 year old guys on their team, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think Hill probably helps the Mets, but the Rays, they think outside the box. You know, some people might think, why, why would they trade Hill? He's one of their starters and he's a veteran guy and he's a lefty trust me the rays have a have a plan I mean, i've watched these guys for long enough they always know what they're doing they've got something you know up their sleeve they're going to trade for another lefty or or they've got someone 
that we don't even know about that they're going to they're set to debut they've already called up three guys and they've all looked pretty good at like they belong the position players but um you know i i think the mets really think they have a good chance to win that division and and i do too i i don't think they're you know good enough to do much damage in the playoffs but they're probably good enough to win that division and they've had a lot of pitching problems with Degrom and uh some other guys that have gone down so I, I think it makes a lot of sense for both teams and and you know the Rays are always trying to recoup their losses uh particularly with the losses they experience with the, the the cruise trade even though they weren't their top prospects they were still top 20 prospects so they probably wanted to try to you know, refill that that cupboard if you will I think that's a pretty good spot to wrap it up here. Again, a huge thank you to Graham Wallace from Belly Up Sports for coming on, talking a little trade stuff with us. Brandon, I will leave you to do the outro. Yeah, uh, thank you for listening. Be sure to check us out. Instagram, TikTok, you guys know the drill at MLB Daily Pod. Play our daily trivia game on Twitter. And uh, yeah, we will see you tomorrow. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications.